0: Teaching Python. My name is Sean Tiber. I'm a coder who teaches.
1: And my name's Kelly Schuster Paredes, and I'm a teacher who codes.
0: This is episode 35, not just coders. So today we're going to be talking about people who need to learn how to code who are not coders or not necessarily going to be software developers and how do we reach them. So Kelly.
1: This is like it's an episode for me.
0: I know. Right, like this is this is all about you, Kelly. Let's let's talk. So I
1: feel, I feel like I'm sitting on a couch right now. I know
0: we we're joking because we have new uh new audio equipment that we're working with this, this week, new headphones to try to make sure we can hear ourselves better. And it sounds like we're on NPR. So I feel like welcome to all things considered.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna try not to giggle so much because it's really in my ears. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all thanks to um, our sponsorship. Yeah.
0: This, so we're we've got a couple of new sponsors. That recently we've had a partnership with with Code Challenges and PyBytes. So a lot of good things have been happening uh, recently related to sponsorship, and that's all going towards helping us produce this podcast so it gets to you and your earbuds a little bit faster.
1: Sounds good. Are we going to start the winds of the week?
0: Sure. Would you like to go first, Kelly?
1: Yes, please. So you don't steal it. I I don't know what's worse, me going first or me going last. But I want to go first today because in, in light of our conversation with everyone should learn to code and not just become a programmer, I think the win of the week is we introduced a new unit in the seventh grade. And it's about how do we use libraries in Python to save time and make life easier? And although the kids aren't necessarily diving in and making products yet it's just um, opening the window the, their eyes to what's going on in python and how the things that are being developed in the background or from other people can actually be used to make good products
0: yeah i think they're really seeing it in that seventh grade context of you know you are in middle school you're learning a new concept in this case python programming And then having the kind of curtains drawn back a little bit so you can see, oh, wow, there's so much more here that I wasn't seeing right away because I was focused on learning the basics to start. So I think it's been a really good unit. I've been teaching it all alongside you and watching the students really start to go, oh, wow, I didn't know it could do that. Or there's a whole library for this. That's great. And it's interesting to hear their justifications because they get a choice in which library they want to learn about. And so we've had everything from, well, I'd really like to be able to use SimPy to be able to do my math homework for me, right? <laughs> to I'm using scientific Python because, uh, or SciPy because it sounds really interesting to be able to use Python with science, which they're right, it is. And then I'm going to learn about Arrow because it's just a cool name. Like, Okay. Good luck. Have fun with that.
1: Yeah, my best part of it for me is the fact that I asked them to put on a Likert scale of of the the libraries that they've looked at and whether they're going to use it. And they're saying, "How do you put it on a scale?" And I was like, "Oh, if I can open up on the front page and read it from Pi Pi, then you know it's got to be a good a high level on my Likert scale." And they're <laughs> like, "Give us an example." I was like. Matplotlib. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's it's really cool. They're they're looking at all sorts of libraries and not just easy ones. They're looking at Matplotlib, Pandas. They're looking at SciPy. And we just want them to see that there are people doing a lot of really great work out there so that you don't have to do as much work on your own. Why reinvent the wheel? Right?
1: Absolutely. And you found what we, we keep finding them. So we keep finding more interesting ones to put on the list. You found the Translate
0: Yeah, I found a Google Translate library that three lines of code lets you access Google Translate and get translations for text. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's got a
1: high likability. Three lines of code. Yep,
0: (laughs) exactly. Exactly.
1: Okay, so my win was good this week. What's your win?
0: You had a really good win. I I have to say, I I don't think I can measure up to that. Honestly, my win this week is that we are having our first match of the eSports club that I'm sponsoring in the middle school. So we're trying to do something a little bit different, especially for those students who maybe like some sports but aren't really into sports. We're doing something where we are competing with other teams playing a game called Rocket League, which is basically RC cars playing soccer online. And we have our first match today, actually, against a team from Albuquerque, New Mexico. So it's rare that our regular sports teams get to play across state lines, but we're doing it with our first match, which is kind of fun.
1: That's It's going to be great. I can't wait to see parts of it.
0: Yeah, it should be really great. The kids are excited about it. The other team's excited about it. And it's all coming together um, in this booming area of esports. So if you're not familiar with it, definitely give it a Google search and check it out. Some of the championship matches are just mind-blowing in terms of how big they've become. The players are celebrities in their own rights. The prize purses are huge in a lot of cases. So we're just trying to have some fun with it and learn some of those basic sports benefits of discipline, teamwork, strategy, coordination, all of those things that help us become better people. And we're using video games and esports as a way to do that.
1: Very cool. So on to our episode
0: yeah we have a topic, right? yeah,
1: so we actually got this type topic from a question that we were asked, how do we the I'm trying to think of how the question was actually formulated? It was more or less let's let's put things in perspective. Not everyone you teach is going to code. I'm like, yes, I think that's pretty a pretty well known fact for computer science teachers. We're not necessarily making sure that everyone we teach is going to be a programmer
0: in the future. And let's be precise. Not everyone is going to be a software engineer or a computer science major in college. There's a specific need for that in a specific interest area. And I think anybody who's been in computer science or has touched upon it in academia has seen that it's, it's a very specific discipline. And it covers a lot more than just how to code. It covers a lot of the ways that we think about how we compute and calculate and how we process information and represent it and store it. And it's a very broad category in a lot of ways, and it can include things like robotics and AI and machine learning and all these other things that come under the umbrella of computer science. But even with as broad of a topic as computer science, not that many of our students are actually going to go off and be computer science majors or be computer scientists with a formal education. So that brings the question... You know what are what's the purpose of teaching every student how to code? And we do teach every student how to code in our middle school.
1: Yeah, and I think I I did I did what I always do. I go out and I start researching because I started thinking there the Hour of Code is starting next week, and there was this huge push that everyone should learn how to code. The Hour of Code goes around. We started block coding. Coding started becoming into the school, and so I started researching and. I found three articles, and all of them were from 2017, which I thought was interesting. So maybe this is a, a reoccurring topic, but I think it's a good one. Just or maybe
0: to- 2017 was the golden age of oh. why everyone should learn how to code articles on Google, right? Oh. So nothing better has come along <laughs> since in the index, I guess. Well, maybe we'll try to make it better. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's an interesting question, and I think the, the it, there's many layers to it, and there's many different ways that you can look at this. For me, as someone who's always thought of computer science as a very applied, practical sort of skill set or knowledge base, and that's because I'm not a computer science major, right? I, I was in a program that was more applied computer science to business problems and very practical, and I also went to a university that had a very practical focus on computer science and the uses of it, right? So for me, I always think of computer science as being very practical. So one view that we can take, or the first view, is that it lets us solve problems in a faster, easier, more efficient way. So it makes things easier for you if you know how to program. But that's not the only way to look at it, right? What's another way that you look at it, Kelly, in terms of like the the teaching mind, why we teach computer science?
1: You know, and I think I think as I start going into coding more, I've I really have noticed a difference in the way of my thinking of how I approach problems, how I, I start looking at how to abstract the details and start to, to group things. So for me, it's this way of, of having some sort of structure in my life for solving problems. How do I tackle that? and and it changed it changed when i started coding because i knew literally nothing about python i knew literally nothing about i mean maybe a little bit from from lego programming and mindstorms with the loops and and the basic core of programming but that concept of really chunking and understanding that a problem has to go through a certain certain set of steps in a certain in a specific way and being able to break that down has, has really structured my, my problem solving, yeah.
0: I think that's a really good point. And, and that's something that is really different for a lot of students, that what we really want them to do, or the, the purpose of learning is really learning how to think, how to retrieve information, how to process it, how to be insightful, how to be creative, how to find those, those ways to uniquely approach the world around you. And For me, looking at the way that students look at the world, and I think many adults too, we get ingrained in our approach, in our viewpoint, our perspective on how we think about things. And so many problems become impossible because they're just too big, right? Or no one's ever solved that before, so we can't solve it now. And where it's different with a computational thinking mindset or a coding mindset is that any problem can be solved, if it's broken down, you know, to the simpler parts, right, that deconstructive approach to solving problems is very, very powerful. And it's deceptive, because it seems like it's anything, you know, can be solved that way. And yet, what it turns into is like, there are some problems that are still so complex, that we haven't figured out how to break them down, right?
1: Absolutely. And, and the funniest thing for me, is, we're trying to teach this I wouldn't say it's necessarily abstract, but in some areas it is abstract. This abstract way of thinking and this abstract way of thinking logically to to teenagers and pre-teenagers and knowing that this whole idea of abstract thinking doesn't really develop until after they're 13, 14, 15, 16 years of age. So it's kind of like we're helping that that neural connection in their brain to start firing. We're We're, we're making their... Their synapses happen, and we're, we're leading that pathway of how do they solve these problems.
0: Yeah, I think at this age it's really about getting them started on that path, the one step down that path. And I think about it with our non-computer science, the the kids that are going to go off and be a biologist or be a lawyer or be a teacher. How do we give the, them those experiences now so that they can think, oh, well, I know how to solve this problem or I can solve this problem because one time I saw something like that that was similar when I was in middle school or when I was in high school or something along those lines. So just that starting them on the path of thinking a little bit differently about the challenges that they face or the world around them.
1: Yeah, I think another one on my list, and the more I think about this, the more time, more examples I can give, but we actually help them learn how to use computers better. There's so many skills involved. Just an email last night. Miss, there's a, my computer program has frozen and it's not doing anything. I think you need to fix this problem. And you answered it beautifully today. You were using a while loop. Perhaps your (laughs) computer program got stuck in this problem of trying to go through the code and never had a break. And the girl's eyes lit up and she was like, Oh.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Well, it it helps you understand how machines calculate for us, how they compute, how they think through problems, right? It and it's a really important skill to have that at least the the smallest of insights into how a computer's working behind the scenes or some of the exposures to computing concepts because it gives you a framework in which to understand how the, you know, computers that surround us on a daily basis actually function and know, you know, maybe you'll be able to solve some of your own problems or get yourself unstuck when problems arise from the computers that you're trying to use.
1: Absolutely. I also, I remember this other conversation I had with the student about algorithms and we were talking AI and it these light bulb moments that don't really get to happen unless you are in a place where you're constantly using a computer and you're talking about concepts with the computer, so I think for our non coders, just that ability to one know where the asterisk key is <laughs> know how how a little bit the basic understanding of how websites work, how things happen in the background i think I think that's a really huge benefit
0: right and you know i we <coughs>
1: Sorry.
0: we've been talking about this a lot in the context of oh well we're giving basic knowledge or foundational knowledge for people that they can use later in life but the reality is too is that you know how many data scientists are out there now that are not traditionally trained programmers but they still use python code On a regular basis, as a core part of their job, right? Or researchers who are trying to analyze a ton of data, and so, or scientists, or doctors, or lawyers who have to parse through a ton of information related to case law or case history or any of those things. How many people? are going to be using a tremendous amount of code in their careers or who are already using a tremendous amount of code but maybe don't, don't have that classic computer science education. So we're still starting them on the path, and whether that path is five more steps down the line or 500 or 5,000 towards their you know sophisticated coding or the role that coding and programming plays in their lives, this is something that they have to start at some point. And if the earlier we can start them, the sooner they can find out if this is something that they're good at and they can estimate the length of their journey that it takes them on.
1: Absolutely. Another point about non programmers, non future coders is I think it, it opens the door to looking at math and science differently. I I notice a lot of times we bring in um, data online. We, we show them when we collect weather that we can actually go and scrape weather reports or information online or we can collect data in part and put it into um, graph and really analyze it. And we can do math and we can do simple math and having them work through those math problems and tell a computer how to calculate that math problem really gives a new light into what they're learning.
0: Well, I think it's, it's more than just the different framework or the new new way of viewing uh, math through this lens of computer science when you apply a computer to a lot of these math and science problems it unlocks capabilities that you just otherwise wouldn't have you wouldn't be able to solve you know 10,000 equations with a paper and pencil in a reasonable amount of time unless you're some sort of genius savant right but you 10,000 equations on a computer can be done in a fraction of a second right? Setting up the problem or setting up the algorithm in computer science or on a computer is the effort. The actual execution is something that you can, you know, use to better understand science or better understand math. How could you look at, you know, or, you know, you could look at here's the weather for the last week. Here's the temperatures that we measured every day for seven days and have a basic understanding of, of what's happening. But, What happens when we say, now here's 10,000 weather records, right? Or here's 100,000. Here's every weather measurement that's been taken at this weather station since it first began, you know, 130 years ago, and it's every daily measurement that's been taken. Go do something with that. What does that look like when you can start to look at the science of weather over time when you're not encumbered by the mechanics of doing the calculations, when you can use the computer as the tool that does the calculation for you?
1: And it's funny. It, it takes me to the point my son in lower school is learning how to speak out, to talk out the math problems, to explain why he's doing something. And... That whole point of the mathematical computation that you were just saying, if the kids could just copy 3x plus 2 and put it into a computer, it would still produce what they produce in the classroom. But it's funny when you have to tell a kid, well, what is 3x? What does that really look like? What is that really happening? Uh, what's really happening with that 3x? They kind of look at you like you're weird. You know, they don't really get that fact that it's three times a an variable. And when you start to talk that way in the, in the computer world and you're telling them that that has to go into the computer that way, you're, you're developing this understanding in math that sometimes I think we neglect in the math classrooms.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's challenging. I know that I didn't have a lot of that, right? It was a lot of those concepts came later when I was learning computer science, when I was learning how to code. So being able to understand that and deepen my relationship with math, even as the math itself kind of got simpler, right? Like the math that I use on a regular basis as a programmer is pretty basic stuff, but I do a lot of it, right? I'm I, and I tell that frequently to the students. I said, this is what computers are really good at. If you solve the basic problem, you can then do that as almost as many times as you want over and over and over again with different inputs. And it costs you very little to do that. So you're not spending more time to do more calculations. You spend the time setting up the problem and then letting the computer do the heavy lifting for you.
1: Which is one of the reasons why we learn how to code because programming makes things easier for us, right. you know, automate the boring stuff. We can't say that enough. if, if, If you don't really want to be a programmer, fine. If you don't really want to be a coder or do that in the field, fine. But you, I know my life would be a lot easier if I had some more skills in order to automate more things in my life. So this this benefit that I feel we're giving the middle schoolers and this age group, they can continue to build on and really make things better and easier for them in the long run.
0: Exactly. I think that's really going to help them think about the where they spend their time, right? And the time is the only commodity we can't make get more of, right? We can't get more time in our day, we can't get more time in our lives. And so the question is how do we use that time to the most effective, you know, point where we see the best benefit for ourselves and for those around us. So, I think that's where programming helps us, you know, use that time better, right? And use it in a in a smarter way. And I think you know, one of the things that is kind of the antithesis of that is when it gets hard, right? And when things get tough, when the road gets rocky on solving that problem or creating that thing that you're making or trying to just figure that one thing out, how do you know what's persistence versus folly, right? Like, how do you know your limits and how do you expand them? And I think that's where programming and computer science can really teach you a great deal of persistence, because things are not going to work the first time. They're just not going to. It's rare that I write code and I run it and everything works perfectly the first time, maybe for two or three lines of code, but certainly not for anything more than that.
1: And I love that about you when you're teaching, you always remind them, listen, I've been coding a long time. You're not seeing what I was like when I was 16 and 17 and spending hours and hours and hours trying to do something. Um, We emphasize that Aspect a lot that I've been learning for a year and a half. I show them that I'm getting frustrated. I have my calming down spray. I bang on the table sometimes when I hit hit a moment where I can't program. And sh- and you say to the kids, "Yes, Miss Paredes is having her frustration <laughs> released on the table." Right. And so p- that persistence, though, that that We want to show them that we, we got that from learning how to code.
0: Right. And, and the persistence, really the payoff from that is that, you know, when things are tough or that when you haven't solved a problem that the yet word belongs in there, right? Like I haven't solved this problem yet. I haven't figured this out yet, or I'm going to figure this out. It's just a matter of working through the problem. So it's that confidence that comes from you know time spent and t- and the effort that earns you the ability to say i know i'm going to get this i know i'm going to figure it out and you know it's it's funny i was talking with uh julian sequera from Pie bites about this and he was talking about this idea that we pitched i don't know uh if, and a couple dozen episodes ago about how when you're working on a project when you have it finished, when the time that you're spending on it, right, is not returning that much value to you, to set it down. right? There's a point where it doesn't pay to be more persistent or to invest more time into a project because you're not going to get the value back from it, but then to wait six months and come back when you've grown and when you've become a better programmer that you'll be able to pick it up and keep moving. Now, the relevant part of this for non-coders is that that approach is not unique to coding. It's not something where you have to be a computer science uh, major to have persistence. Like, we don't have a right to say that, right? Like, computer science majors haven't earned a monopoly on on persistence, right? So that can be used in many, many other fields, knowing that I, I can figure this out and I will make it work because I've done it in the past and I know that I can. And that confidence that's earned through persistence is really important you know, for non coders, for people who are who are working in other professions and have learned how to code along the way.
1: Yeah, and it's it's an educational buzzword. You know, growth mindset, resilience, persistence.
0: I think grit is being a little grit. bit overused, right? So yes, <laughs>
1: it, it is one that was around. It's been it's been coming up in our social emotional skill sets that we're supposed to develop. But I think that time moment when we see the kids realize that if they just stick with it and we tell the kids that aren't really getting coding we say listen it's not that the kids around you're smarter it's not that the kids around you are better at coding it's because they've put in a little bit more time and they've given a have a little bit more persistence at trying to solve the problem than
0: you have so or or simply that at this stage it's a little bit easier for them Mm -hmm. right like This part of learning how to code is easier. And you may pull ahead of them later when it's easier for you, right? And I remind students that especially I had one student who came up to me and said, you know, I'm a little bit slower than the other students when it comes to reading. Like it's a diagnosed thing. I'm not just saying that, you know, like I am slower when it comes to reading. And I said to this student, but I don't care how fast you get there. That's not the important part. It's not a race to figure out who can be the best Python programmer, the fastest. It's really about who's going to learn it and learn it well, and you start using that. So I said, use your difference as your strength, which means that if it takes you a little bit longer, it probably means that you're going to read it slower, which means you're probably going to read it better and you're going to understand it deeper. So use that as your strength so that you can be that superstar programmer, even if it takes you a little bit longer to get there, who cares? No one's measuring how long it takes.
1: Yeah. And I forgot to add one to the list and you made me remember, you know, I always say it in the class and we say it a lot. The secret to life, is, well, I say it. The secret to life is reading. So programming, <laughs> <laughs> if you're not going to be a coder, at least you're going to learn how to read and read slowly. Right. So that triggered a, a thought for me. We constantly tell the students, you have to slow down. You have to read the problem for what it what it's telling you. Look for all the details. And I think that skill is something that we actually overlooked on the list, and we're putting it on there.
0: Yeah, you know, I think the the other thing that I would add, the, the item that's not on my list either, is that I think programming teaches you to value diversity and different viewpoints and the ways that people – Solve problems in different ways. And that's one of the things that I love about meeting people in this space is that there's no one right way to solve a problem. And we're all focused on how do we figure this out? Or how do we make this thing? Or how do we do this a little bit better? Or how do we think about it? Or how do we just be more creative? Right. And that's what I love is, is seeing what how other people think and coding is a window into the way that people think and that you don't get that in a lot of other places. I mean, actually you do in a lot of places, right? But not in this way where you can literally go on GitHub and access someone's brain or the collaborative efforts of, of many people's brains. And when you look at their code, it doesn't matter what they look like or what they sound like or how tall they are or how short they are, or what color their hair is, right? Like those are all parts of who they are. And those are the parts that have created this code that you're looking at and you're able to see. And to see someone come up with a beautiful solution to a problem that you couldn't have come up with yourself is one of the most thrilling parts of being in computer science. And that's why this diversity within our community is so beautiful, because it helps us see people for who they are and what they can contribute, not just what they look like or what they sound like. And I think that's one of the things that I like to bring across in the classroom is it doesn't matter where you're coming from, it doesn't matter what you look like or who you are, anyone can write code and anyone can come up with a really interesting piece of software, a really interesting approach to a problem or a product or a service or whatever it is, no matter where they're coming from. And I think that that is a really amazing opportunity.
1: Absolutely. I, that's, that was beautifully said. I have nothing to add to that. That, that just hit everything in my, my bias curriculum that I've been looking at to help us. get <laughs> So yes, check. We do that in computer science. I think another point is when we're coding, when we're showing them things or when you're showing them things that they've done, we, we open the doors to allow them to understand their world what's going on behind the scenes of everything, and start to look at their phones differently, look at the TV differently, look at Alexa differently, and say, wow, that's actually, someone's done that. Someone's, someone's made that. Someone's coded that. Someone's written the program and spent the hours, and I'm just writing a rock, paper, scissors activity, and that took me forever. What did it take that person to do to develop what we have now
0: probably a lot of banging their head against
1: the table yes and a lot of calming spray (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: I, i think that's really important and it looks it looks you look at it from different perspectives one is the ability to see the technology differently that they use on a daily basis especially for our students that have grown up you know using an ipad from birth basically right or using technology from very early ages They see this differently now for having taken a computer science course. I think the other thing that's useful for non-coders particularly is the ability to see the world differently through this programming lens, right? And we haven't even really gotten into things like object-oriented programming or ways that we represent real-world objects. But one of the things that I really like is when we start talking about functions and how to package up content, you know, or package up repeated functions, repeated actions, instructions, you know, so that they can be more modular and reusable. And we start making those analogies to the lives that, that they lead, that they lead, the the middle schoolers, like brushing your teeth in the morning is a function, right? And it has smaller parts to it. There's smaller actions as part of it and as part of bigger functions and it can be reused and all of these things that help them see, oh wait, the world around me could be viewed through a very different lens than the one I currently employ. And for the kids who start to see that, it changes a lot of other ways that they see the world also. And they start to see not just here are all the things that I do or here's the way that the world is, but they start to see the way the world could be. And that, to me, is really interesting because they start to see problems that can be solved. They start to see ways that they can take action locally in the world around them to understand their world a little a little bit better, to make their world a little bit better, to relate to people a little bit better when they start to see that this is something that they can actually have an impact on.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. We just had um, an assembly and what the, the speaker asked the kids to, here's an open mic. Why don't you pitch your elevator pitch and, and- for some possible products that you think would be beneficial to the world. And some of the the solutions I'm not so sure maybe they would have been there without the the computer science background, but I think we have a lot more kids talking about sensors and and things that they can do in order to modify or benefit their lifestyle and really using that that problem that's problem solving tactic and digging into those solutions, those things that they know, if they create, will make their place in this world better.
0: Right. It's it's a very local view of what's going on. And I I mean that as the highest compliment, right? Because what they see and hear on the news all the time are the big issues, right? Here's the climate change, or here's politics, or here's international relations, or terrorism, or whatever. And these big, huge problems that that they really don't feel relate to them, you know, in many cases are replaced by problems that they can actually solve and that they can do something about. And that is a really great way to start seeing the world around you rather than being this world that you can't change and you can't improve upon to being, here's a bunch of things that I can do something about. Absolutely. So that gives us, I mean, I I think I've lost count of all the different reasons here I think we were
1: just making this up as we go. No, I was kidding.
0: (laughs) But I think these these reasons are broadly applicable. And that's one of the things that we really like about this. When we talk to parents, when we talk to other educators, when we talk to administrators or when we speak, we explain that the the important lessons that we're teaching are not necessarily the Python syntax, the Python language, the way that you implement a lambda function in Python, for example. He's just a big
1: nerd with the you know dressed up as a teddy bear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just I I love all of these these technical aspects of Python, but but really the big lessons that we're teaching are about persistence. They're about being able to view the world differently. It's about how to think through problems, how to have the confidence to pick yourself back up and try something new when you fall down or when it doesn't work, how do you handle that? How do you fix it? So these bigger lessons I think are more way more applicable across areas like, you know, engineering, computer science, math, right? Like you see those heavily there, but then when you start to apply them to other areas, it's like, wow, wait a minute, this totally works for art, for music, for dance, for sports, for for English, for social studies, for history. All of these areas are really places where you can apply a lot of these same lessons as well.
1: Yeah. And, and lastly, I have to say that We've got something special teaching computer science. I think not Sean and I, but all computer science teachers, if you take that moment to really dig into the social-emotional learning and even the computational thinking skills that are involved in computer science, you get to see the students that many other teachers do not get to see because sometimes they're stuck on a content and a way of doing things where if you engage in unknown pro you know unknown solutions or give the students things that you don't have the answers to like I don't know half of those libraries we were talking about today and I said to them that's a one I wouldn't even look at that one because it's confusing to me and I'm able to get to know a student better and I think at the same time that allows that child to get to know themselves better and these things I'm not sure they come out all the time in all the other core curriculum. We have this ability to to really break down the walls of saying, "Listen, this is new. This is there's new things coming out there, and we're going to we're going to work through it and we're going to help you learn how to work through things."
0: Yeah, and and my final thought on this or my last thought is that this is not just about this age. It's not just about middle school. These lessons, these things that you can learn are excellent to learn at any age right and that's what keeps our minds young and pliable and fresh is I when feel we... 20 already <laughs> <laughs> you know like but in all seriousness teaching someone who's 50 60 70 how to code for the first time or or even later or even younger or wherever it is if you're in college learning how to code so that you can go off and and do you know neurobiology better it's going to change the way that you view the world. It's not just a tool in your tool belt. It's potentially a new mindset or a new approach or a new way of looking at things and vice versa. So if you're an entrenched computer science person, right? If you've been trained classically, if you have all these things, you know, maybe it's time to go take that pottery class, right? Or take a an English class or history or or science class, something that gets you to think differently about the world also, because it does go in both directions.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we were very touchy feely today. This is a very social emotional learning episode. And this is one of passions of ours. And we do actually talk about this a lot at our school.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's just something that we're excited about. And that's one of the things that we like to share with our students, too, is just our enthusiasm for this is really important, interesting, challenging work. And, you know, aren't we all lucky to be part of it? Aren't we lucky to be able to do this every day? It's pretty cool that this is what we get to experience on a daily basis when we are learning how to code and learning how to teach it and learning how to learn.
1: Absolutely, learning how to learn—that's my favorite saying. Looking for learning too. Oh,
0: looking for learning—that's that's good. I always like to see the learning happen. Like it's it's amazing to watch that light bulb moment, and and that's a lot of a lot of fun. And we get to do that a lot in the computer science classroom.
1: So let's wrap it up. If you have anything else to share, I mean, we were trying to think of a good solid list. There's so many other things. Always curious to hear your thoughts on what are some top skills that you bring out with yours from your students when you're teaching computer science, not just the programming. Um, happy to share it with us at teaching Python.
0: Yeah. You know, honestly the other one that I'd love to hear from, I'd love to hear from people who I know many of our, our listeners are not necessarily teachers or not necessarily teaching full time, but if you're a, a coder, what's a memory that you have from when you first learned how to teach that changed your perspective or changed your viewpoint about the world around you? You know, or you know in your career like how did adding coding to change the way that you approached what you you know cared about most in your professional life absolutely all right so with that we'll sign off so for teaching python this is sean and this is kelly signing off